Hello everyone and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be discussing our top five releases of 2023. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hey Kat. Hi Remy, how are you? I'm good. It's our big 2023 finale episode. Yeah, our year-end picks. I'm really excited. I think it's been a great year. Um, I wish I'd kept track of how many like movies I've seen mm-hmm. the year before and like seen how many more I caught this year in the theater, but it was definitely a lot more for me. So You know what? I did exactly that <laughs> because... One of my resolutions, I don't remember if I said this on the pod Mm -hmm. when we did our first episodes of 2023. I want to say I said it on record, Mm -hmm. but at least between you and I, one of my main resolutions was to see more films in the theater because I did just a piss poor job in 2022. (laughs) And there were so many films I regretted not seeing Mm -hmm. in the theater because I was not in a good headspace and didn't have the energy and couldn't make myself get there in Mm -hmm. time. And I was like, you know what? In 2023, I'm not going to give myself excuses anymore. And I was like, I'm not going to let my work keep me from doing things that I enjoy. And not only did I ditch that work, (laughs) I also ditched the mentality that I was too tired to go to the movies. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I saw five films in the theater mm-hmm. in 2022. And thus far, I've seen 30 films in the theater wow. in 2023. And so I'm really pleased that I stuck to that resolution yeah. and just committed to doing the thing that I really, just really like and enjoy. That's awesome. I absolutely love seeing films in the theater. It's one of my favorite activities of all time. And I'm very happy that I'm back in that mentality of making the time to do things that I enjoy. Because what the hell else am I supposed to be doing on this planet? You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> What's our purpose? I'm trying to go to the movies, man. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Do you have a resolution for the upcoming year? Oh, that's a great question. Definitely to keep it up. Mm-hmm. Um, something, a tacit resolution that I made partway through the year this year, I guess towards the tail end of the year, was that on the pod, I want to highlight more films that aren't getting as much attention. Yeah. Um, so obviously we covered a lot of very buzzy films that were huge blockbusters this year, but I think... In a week where I'm conflicted between a really buzzy film that a lot of people are talking about and another film that I equally enjoyed but is not getting a lot of attention, I'd like to spotlight those underappreciated films more often. Yeah. So that's like a mini resolution that I have in terms of the films that I speak about on the pod. Yeah. And you can always like, like for Talk to Me. Remember, we were already doing a different episode, but I wanted to, like, do a little blurb at the beginning. Yeah. You can always, like, mention that that's top of the list, too. But, Mm -hmm. 
you've chosen the other one. Yeah, I think that's a great resolution. I haven't really thought about, um, oh, actually I have. Yeah. Uh, my resolution is to improve our social media presence and feeds and try to like incorporate some different kinds of posts and try to, um, have a little more fun with the social media side of things instead of just posting like our new episode is up. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause I think it'll be a lot more enjoyable if I'm actually doing some creation as well. So I think that'll be fun. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to contributing to that. Yeah. Too. Remy's We're radar. Gonna, <laughs> Remy's radar. It's going to be much more heavily featured. Yeah. Yeah. So keep an in eye this- out on our social feeds. Those are linked yeah. in the show notes as well. So mm-hmm. go check them out. I'm going to be doing lots of work on them this year. But yeah, I think that's my big pod goal. I think my um, resolution for the last year was to go see more movies alone, which I definitely oh, yeah, that did. definitely was one. Um, yeah. And one of the reasons I did start actually going to see movies by myself was because for Christmas, you got me a film scene gift card. And I started, Yay. I was like, well, I've got to go, I guess. Yeah. That um, was the intent. <laughs> yeah. So that was awesome. Oh, and I did start logging my films on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. which obviously makes it much easier to keep track of what I've seen. Yeah. Which I love. You know, I love just looking at spreadsheets and information. <laughs> yeah. Cataloged across time. And I just recently, this weekend, passed 1,000 logged films on wow. Letterboxd. That's so amazing. I was really happy about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the zone of interest was number 1,000. Wow. Yeah, did you like that? Is it going to be on your list? Should I? It didn't quite make the cut. Mm-hmm. I mean, five spots for a whole year for all of media. Mm-hmm. That is a tough list yeah. to make. I vacillated, I mean, up until minutes ago. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> I mean... I'm definitely going to be posting my top 12 films of the year mm-hmm. on Letterboxd, which gives me a little bit more breathing room. But the top five is really, really tough. Mm-hmm. And the zone of interest is down in the HMs. It just got kicked to like 13th place, mm-hmm. I would say, on the overall list. Yeah. Which is, hopefully you can appreciate this film. This year has been so good in film yeah. that even 13th is a huge accomplishment because there's just been so many major filmmakers with tremendous work this year and Mm -hmm. a lot of really great newcomers. And 2023 was just an an immaculate film year. And that is definitely reflected in my top five list, not just because film was the major media that I was taking in this year, but also because a lot of things in, and mediums like television and books took a uh, a backseat in my in my media experience this year mm-hmm. and i don't know like last year there was just so many new and interesting tv mm-hmm. series available and this year there was a lot of giants sunsetting mm-hmm. but not a lot of new and exciting entries into that space so my yeah. my top 5 with list is definitely reflective of that shift yeah in uh, that media that i'm consuming cool well do you want to kick us off with the first one sure i was gonna ask you did you have a hard time making your list um actually it was a little bit easier for me because i just started jotting down like a month ago 
like all of the things that I've been liking. And then I went back this week and I like sorted them into my favorites. So I already had a beginning list to kind of work from. And I tried to get a little bit of everything that I've been consuming a lot of. So like there are a couple of films on there, but then um I tried to like grab a book and a podcast too that are top mm-hmm. of my list as well. Cause I've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of um podcast listening. So yeah, I feel like You've definitely been more evenly distributed this year, and I've been more film-focused. Yeah. I'm still even debating my number five pick (laughs) at this moment. Oh, no. It's so hard to choose. I'm stuck between two different films that are really, really similarly weighted for me. I'm fine if you want to tie them. I think I do want to do a tie if that's acceptable. That's acceptable. It's Barbenheimer. (laughs) That would be convenient. Tied for my number five spot are the films Eileen, directed by William Oldroyd, Mm -hmm. and May-December, directed by Todd Haynes. These are two films that I just saw in theaters in the past month and absolutely loved them. They are... I guess I'll talk about them one at a time. (laughs) That makes more (laughs) sense. I talked about Eileen at length Mm -hmm. on a recent episode. You and me and our mutual friend all went to go see it together. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it for its bleak, (laughs) oppressive atmosphere Mm -hmm. and psychosexual themes Mm -hmm. and killer performances by Thomas and Mackenzie, Anne Hathaway, and Shea Wiggum. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a perfect winter viewing movie. Oh, yeah. Because it's very bleak and cold and wintry, but also claustrophobic psychologically Mm -hmm. and i loved everything that was going on and how much you questioned what allegiances you should be having throughout the film yeah and i loved william oldroyd's ability to trust the audience to make their own decisions about the internal lives of the people that you were seeing Mm -hmm. so i loved eileen i think everyone should definitely check it out especially if you like thrillers and more people should be talking about it and it rules (laughs) it was really good that's um one of my hms as well so awesome yeah it's really great absolutely loved eileen but i also absolutely loved may december Mm -hmm. like i said which is a film by todd haynes starring natalie portman julianne moore and charles melton and This got lots of conversation because it came to Netflix very soon after its short theatrical run, Mm -hmm. and so many people were able to view it at once. And what I loved about May-December is that it's also quite mm, psychologically layered and nuanced, and the basic plot of the film is that Natalie Portman is playing an actress who has come to observe a couple played by Julianne Moore and Charles Melton who were involved in a tabloid, a 90s tabloid era scandal Mm -hmm. where Julianne Moore's character started dating Charles Melton's character when he was just in like seventh grade and she was an adult. And you're watching Natalie Portman observe this marriage and try to get to the motivations underneath Julianne Moore's character about how she rationalizes 
her actions and this relationship and the fact that the relationship is still going 20 years later. And this, mm, not, she doesn't interrogate the relationship, Mm -hmm. but even just the gentle prodding from a creative representation approach is enough to jolt people into asking more questions than they normally might Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis. And watching the way each of these three main characters processes the uncovering of information is very fascinating. Mm. All three performances are excellent, but I think Charles Milton is rightly so getting a ton of attention for his his performance in the movie. I think he does a phenomenal job, and I feel so deeply for his character, mm-hmm. and so compassionately for his character, mm-hmm. and he take such care to portray that character with nuance and integrity while still having a very obvious vulnerability Mm -hmm. and obvious room for growth. And if I had to sum it up, what I loved the most about May-December is that it just gave me so much to think about in terms of how Todd Haynes chose to represent the tip of the iceberg of each character's emotional world Mm -hmm. because they clearly are deep wells of emotion and psychological conundrums Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just a mixture of repression or regression or arrested development, depending on which character you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I just thought the direction was so deft in the clues you're getting along the way to uncovering like what psychological processes are roiling under the surface of these characters. And that gave me a lot to think about after, but also just gave me a great appreciation for the directorial choices that were contained in the film. Mm -hmm. And it was great. It was just so refreshing to have an adult drama that had a lot to dig into, but was very entertaining moment to moment. Definitely more than a handful of laughs, Mm -hmm. but still serious subject matter that's treated with maturity. And so that's why I couldn't, I couldn't give up (laughs) May-December on my list. So they're tied for five. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't gotten to see that yet, but I do want to, it's been on my list. So Mm -hmm. my number five slot is Charlotte Le Bon's Falcon Lake. Mm. And it is a, coming-of-age story between these two French-Canadian teens that meet while their families are staying on the same lake. And it is an absolutely stunning film. The Canadian lake that they're on and the countryside is just beautiful, and I want to go stay there. (laughs) And, I mean, you know me, I like a little bit of a supernatural ending. So mm-hmm. it definitely has that to spice it up a little bit. But I think that this is, I should have checked if you can stream it anywhere. I saw it in the theater when it was re- released in um, the United States. But yes, you can rent it on YouTube and Amazon Prime and things like that. So oh, nice. Yeah. It's definitely available out there to be watched, um, and it is a French-language film, so 
just be aware of that. But I think that it is a really kind of dreamy story and it was just a really pleasant watch and I'm glad I got to see it in the theater for sure. Yeah, good shout. I still haven't seen that yet, but yeah, it was really enjoyable. I'm definitely interested in it, especially since you're a dedicated episode to it. Yeah, I should um, link any episodes that are dedicated to what we um, are talking about in the show notes. So kind of go down to the show notes and you'll find which episodes correlate with our picks as well. Perfect. All right. So then I'm on to my number four pick, which is a movie that I did not get to have a dedicated episode for, but that was a choice (laughs) so as not to spoil anything, because my number four pick is The Royal Hotel. This is Mm. a film written and directed by Kitty Green uh, with Oscar Redding as a co-writer, and it stars Julia Garner and Jessica Henwick. And this is a movie that is absolutely right up my alley. It's two, I forget if they're Canadian or American women, but they are backpacking through Australia and they have to take jobs in a very, very remote bar in a remote Australian outback area in order to make enough money to continue on their trip. And so they get jobs in a kind of like rough and tumble mining town bar and have a lot of different experiences with the local characters therein that verge on dangerous and exciting Mm -hmm. and thrilling and somewhere all in between not knowing what the outcome will be of Mm -hmm. any given interaction. And what I loved about this film I mean, obviously, I absolutely loved how much it reminded me of Wake and Fright mm-hmm. <laughs> and being trapped in a rural Australian town and needing <laughs> money to get out. I mean, you know of my deep, deep love for Wake and Fright. And yes. so any film that's reminiscent of that gets like 10 extra secret bonus points. And so just on premise alone, I was already in the bag for the Royal Hotel. But I think Kitty Green is a fantastic director and clearly has a lot to say about women's experiences in the world. Mm -hmm. So having this film tackle kind of similar plot, but from a female perspective, was definitely refreshing. And I just thought the characters were fascinating and there was a lot of points in the story where you asked yourself, like, who would I side with here? Who would I root for? Who would I be acting like Mm -hmm. in this situation? And what would I do? And it was exciting end to end and just a great watch that I would love if it got more attention because I think a lot of people would enjoy this film. And I think Kitty Green is definitely a director to watch and she has a lot of talent. So yeah, I... If it becomes more widely available, please check out the Royal Hotel. Yeah, I'm sure that's got to be coming up soon because it's been a couple of months since that was released. So Yeah. Also, who distributed that? If it was, I'm like thinking Neon. Because mm. if it was Neon, then it should be coming to Hulu very soon mm. because they have an exclusive deal with Neon. Yeah. It's distributed in North America through Neon. So, yeah, 
Keep your eyes peeled on Hulu, then, for the Royal Hotel to become available. Perfect. My number four pick is the podcast Rattled and Shook, which I brought up on our first Scripts and Scraps episode. And that was like right after it had just started being released. So I wasn't sure if I was going to continue to like it as much as I liked the first couple of episodes. But I really love it. It's a weekly horror variety show. So it kind of consists of the two hosts, April and Meredith, reacting to recorded horror stories. So kind of in the same vein as Radio Rental. Um mm-hmm. There are stories that are interviews with like listeners of the show and things like that. But there are also some voice acted stories, which for like written in stories kind of adds a nice element of drama. I think that the audio editing, which is done by April, is really good. That's kind of her profession aside from being this podcast host. So she like does a lot of reality editing and things like that. So she's really cool. And um, their dynamic is really cool because April loves things that have horror elements and Meredith is kind of more of a scaredy cat Mm -hmm. and um, gets scared really easily. Yeah, it's just funny to hear them interact with one another and they've got a really good like chemistry in their hosting. So it's really pleasant to listen to. And they tell some really funny stories and things like that. So yeah, good pod. And that's also associated with like the Tenderfoot TV network of podcasts. So Payne Lindsay is kind of associated with the Tenderfoot TV name. Mm -hmm. Um, And other podcasts in that network are Up and Vanished and Radio Rental. Um, the Vanishing Point just started coming out. It's kind of an up and vanished spinoff that's not being hosted by Payne. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't gotten the chance to listen to any of Talking to Death, but Payne Lindsay has a new weekly podcast where he is like interviewing different people and talking to them about their relationship with death. And so one of the first episodes was him talking to Steve-O from Jackass, and Mm -hmm. it looked really good from the promo content that I saw. So hopefully I'll get to listen to some of that on my train trip home for the holidays and stuff. And Payne Lindsay, he's a busy guy. I know. I know. He's cool, though. Did I tell you he was at the Two Girls, One Ghost show that I went to in Brooklyn? (laughs) I think you did. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I did. But that's fun. Kind of interesting. That's so cool. Yeah. I think he went to like three of their shows in different locations too, because they're good pod friends. Oh, nice. And eventually the two girls, one ghost hosts will be on Talking to Death as well. They like did an interview for that pod. That makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, that was rattled and shook. Very cool. All right. So on to my number three pick. My third piece of media for the year 2023 is the film Asteroid City, directed by Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. This was a film that we definitely talked at length about. We had two dedicated episodes to it, I want to say. With our special guest. Yeah, one of them with our special guest, Jonathan Arlack. (laughs) 
and another one where I just got to monologue about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I feel like I've said everything I've needed to say about Asteroid City, but one thing I want to point out is that even though this came out back in June, the emotional reaction I had to the film has stuck with me ever Mm -hmm. since. And it's basically never left the, my top three of the year because that I felt the emotional resonance of the film and the incredible feeling it gave me as a complete watching experience stuck with me and had incredible lasting power and just a lot of amazing performances from Jason Schwartzman and uh, Marta Robbie and all kinds of great stuff. Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. I mean, very much expected from all of the amazing people that routinely work with Wes Anderson. Jeffrey Wright, he's mm-hmm. another one. <laughs> but <laughs> um, it's just really took me by surprise and was delighted by it and just have such fun feelings toward that movie and I'm excited to watch it again. It just came to Amazon Prime. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to rewatching that many times to come and just letting all of the the detail and the intricacies of the filmmaking wash over me mm-hmm. and a lot of the deeply emotional scenes wash over me, especially the balcony scene, which yeah. you know I love. Mm-hmm. And I actually just rewatched that again the other day. And I noticed for the first time that both Jason Schwartzman and Margot Robbie are smoking in that scene. Uh-huh. And I was like, ah, oh, it just makes it even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that scene. That's a great scene. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Asteroid City. Perfect. Yeah. Loved it. Great film. My number three is Emily Henry's Happy Place, which is a novel that was released this year. Everyone knows that we on Friend Diagram love Emily Henry. And Mm -hmm. um, Remy turned me on to Emily Henry's previous works, and I devoured them. And then Happy Place came out like the next week. And I was like, let's just keep the train going. (laughs) And Yeah, it was just a really wonderful book. It was a book that I got other people hooked on. Uh, Some of my friends read this book at my recommendation. And I think it really captures what a lot of late stage graduate students can feel in academia. So much. Yeah. Um, Even though the main character is a, a medical resident, I think it, her struggle with her career was really salient for a lot of us. And I really loved the message of um, it being okay to change your mind and it being okay to do something for you and not just what you think other people want you to do. So I loved that. It was a really solid novel. It's not necessarily, I think we talked about this in our episode discussing it, but it's not necessarily her best romance, I don't think. Um, but I found the characters really compelling for their own individual reasons and really loved both of the leads and the friend group as well. So, mm-hmm. um, it was just, it was almost as much about like a found family as it was about the romance, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it was just another great demonstration of, um, 
Emily Henry's ability to capture issues that are at the forefront for people our age, and particularly women our age. Mm -hmm. She just knows exactly what I'm thinking about a lot of the time. Like, I read that book as I was changing careers in a very similar fashion to the main character in that book. And, um, yeah, it's just nice having someone out there producing art that speaks to the specific problems that people our age are facing. Yeah. Yeah. So I highly recommend Happy Place by Emily Henry. Awesome. All right. My number two pick. This is a great one because I just saw it for the first time today, (laughs) but I think it's going to be my happy place cinematically for Uh many years to come. It's The Taste of Things. (laughs) Directed by An Hung Tran. And this is the French language 2023 film that just absolutely blew me away. It is an exploration of love and devotion and just the sensations of living life (laughs) through the lens of the most amazing and elaborate French cooking ever committed to film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the filmmaking's incredible. Um, we just released a dedicated episode about it where I talked about it in depth. So, so please listen to that if you're interested about it. But this film sticks out from all of my other favorites this year in that it is much more meditative than the films I typically go for, which are more, I don't know, like thrilling or uh, dark or mm-hmm. suspenseful. This film is not suspenseful at all. But it does not in any way lack depth. It just Mm -hmm. takes a completely different and more conflict-free approach to exploring a lot of the philosophical questions at the core of the film. And Mm -hmm. so I found that extremely refreshing and extremely emotionally restorative. And if you love cooking, you got to check out this film and just loved all of the characters and their respect for each other and the friendship and romance and how all of those different relationships were portrayed. There's mm-hmm. so much that this film has to offer and it I can't say enough good things about it. I can't wait for everyone to see the taste of things. Perfect. My number two is going to switch gears. Um, so my number two was the film Talk to Me. Mm-hmm. And that was directed by Danny and Michael Philippou. They're Australian directors. And I really loved this film. It is one of the most terrifying films I think I've ever seen. I was really spooked about it. And it was one of those films that didn't leave my mind after watching it. So I just kept kind of like mulling it over and one of its real strengths, I think, are the um amazing people. I don't know. I don't have them and their names on hand. But the people who were in charge of the makeup and costuming and prosthetics for like the graphic visions that are seen throughout the film, they're amazing at their job. And they really created some unsettling and terrifying visual effects. Mm-hmm. And I found it just truly viscerally upsetting. So I 
I really enjoyed that movie. Wow. I can't believe it's number two. Yeah. That's crazy. If you'd have asked me when I first saw it, if I thought it would be number two, I'd be like, you're crazy. Um, but after leaving it to percolate for a couple of months, I just found that it left a lasting impression on me and I thought it was really impressive. So mm-hmm. a great feat. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Number it's time. one. Number one. I wonder if you'll be surprised. I don't think you will. My number one film of 2023 was Oppenheimer. Oh, really? (laughs) A film by Christopher Nolan. Pound for pound, definitely the film I thought about most this year in terms of minutes thought. (laughs) (laughs) This film is incredible. I mean, everyone has been talking about it since the moment it came out, so I don't have a lot more to say beyond God, like the two-hour conversation we had about it yeah, for the dedicated episode. That was a long ep. But I would say, I mean, obviously, it is an astounding achievement in direction from Chris Nolan, who's a guy that I'm just there for no matter what. I think that this is probably now my favorite film of his. Mm. And... He showcases two people that I absolutely love. Hoyte van Hoytema, his cinematographer, who I've talked about a lot on this podcast before. Uh, probably the first time was when I talked about Dunkirk and, um, also in Nope. He's just, God, he's my favorite cinematographer working right now. Mm-hmm. His work is astounding. He's amazing. I really want to see this film in IMAX because the screenings around here were just so competitive that I never got to see it in IMAX proper. So I'm hoping that in the lead up to the Oscars, they'll bring it back to Lincoln Square Mm -hmm. and show it on IMAX so I can get an opportunity to see it in the aspect ratio for which a Van Hoytema shot the film. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times I won't bother with IMAX because it's not my preference in screening experience but knowing that it was shot for IMAX and therefore framed for that different aspect ratio gives me a specific reason to want to see it in Mm -hmm. that format and so I really hope I get another opportunity to do that just for the sheer cinematography experience but Jennifer Lane the editor has to be the MVP of the film I think she is one of the best rising star editors out there, and I am very excited to see how her career progresses. I think she did an astounding job, and I think the sound editing was astounding on Oppenheimer. I think it is very much responsible for the lasting impression the film made on me, in that it is by far, hands down, the film that made me feel the most energized and excited and had my heart racing more than any other film this year, even from the very open, the very opening title credits or like that text on screen Mm -hmm. with the sound laid underneath. I feel like I can lift 10 cars when I watch (laughs) Alphenheimer. And to me, that is 
the best thing a film could possibly do. <laughs> and for that reason, it's number one. It's, yeah. It's just number one. I mean, the performances, the cast, everything, the synthesis of all of those elements is perfect. And I love it. And I can do anything. <laughs> and I can do anything. And I'm become death. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Oppenheimer is great. I actually saw that twice in the theater because I saw it Same, once by myself yeah. and um, once with Scott. Um, yeah, that was great. My number one is Asteroid City, which you already oh. brought up. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I, no, you can't have it. It's mine. <laughs> um, but yeah, Wes Anderson's Asteroid City was definitely one of the most fun movie going experiences of the year and it has the most rewatchability in my opinion of any of the movies I've seen this year. Uh, maybe also Barbie is very rewatchable. Yeah. Um but I just loved its sweetness and its humor and I love how genuine the characters feel in that film and vulnerable. Yeah, I just thought it was wonderful. And the highlights for me were Jeff Goldblum as the alien, <laughs> the three little girls, and Tom Hanks yeah. as the grandpa. Amazing. Um, and the color palette. I love the color Ooh, palette yeah. for the film. I think it's just beautiful that like blue, blue sky with like mm -hmm. the very pale sand of the desert. Uh, just incredible. Awesome. Yeah. We had one overlap. Mm hmm Yeah. A shock. <laughs> a thrill. I know. Um, did you have any honorable mentions? I did. I, I'm i well aware my top five was all films, but it was just a very film-forward year. Mm hmm So for my HMs, I have a couple of series that I saw seasons of this year and really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So the first one is Starstruck, which I covered at length a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. um, that series just concluded with the third season, um, the series created by Rose Matafeo. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's probably the best romantic comedy type material that's been released on screen in the last, I don't know, mm -hmm. five, ten years. I think it's an exemplary representation of what that genre can be. And I think everyone should see it. It's a fun time. <laughs> yeah. And my second HM is the second season of The Bear. Man. Oh, yeah. They're just crushing it out <laughs> there, man. I can't believe how great that show is. They're doing such exciting things with it. There's such a variety of things to love in the second season, mm -hmm. from the Copenhagen episode to the Fishes episode to the Forks episode. <laughs> my favorite my guy, Richie, put him in every... I just want to show all about him. <laughs> like, they use him so properly. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a show all about Richie would be overwhelming. But, man, what a character. He's what so an good. excellent character. Yeah. Love it. Those are my HMs. Perfect. Um, I have a couple of films that I wanted to shout um, that I watched this year and left an impression. So, first is Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. I just rewatched it yesterday because it started streaming and it was Scott's first time watching it. So we really enjoyed that. 
And yeah, it was just a, a wonderful movie. It's just a lot of fun. Highly recommend so streaming fun. it. It's on what HBO Max right now. It's definitely going in my top 12 of the year. Yeah, I'm sure. And then No One Will Save You was amazing as well. I really enjoyed watching that. Um, it's an alien invasion type film um, that has, I think, no dialogue, almost no dialogue. And uh, I just found it really enjoyable. Um, it was weird and spooky. That's definitely a cat movie for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and then 65, mm. which I thoroughly enjoyed, that was directed by um, Scott and Woods. Um, and I saw some news that they're actually opening a movie theater in their hometown of Davenport, Iowa. What? Uh huh. That's so cool. It's really amazing. And I wish I could go. I wish I still lived in the area and they just did like their big grand opening. (gasps) I was like, I'm so jealous. Like what a wonderful thing to bring to your community. They're doing our dream. I know. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, so yeah, good for them. 65 was amazing. It had Adam Driver being amazing and Ariana Greenblatt being incredible. Um, she was also in Barbie. So I will be keeping my eye on things that she'll be in in upcoming years. And then last on my honorable mentions list is Emerald Fennel Saltburn. What a fucking weird movie, but I can't get it out of my head and that is the mark of a great film. So mm, it was quite a ride. It was weird and I would like to watch it again and mull it over more. I'm glad to see it getting recognition in nominations and I hope it does well. Yeah, if you want to see my full top twelve, we can link to it on Letterbox yeah. in the show notes if that's okay with Kat. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say there is one asterisk in that we are still, at the time of this recording, about two weeks away from the end of 2023. Mm-hmm. So there's at least there's a large handful of films that I haven't seen yet that could have affected this list. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I um, come across them and they're, they're list shaking, I'll have a dedicated episode at some point in the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think this was a great summary of our year. I love that. I know. What a great little time capsule. What a great year. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.